Like, take any movie from history, keep the main actor, but replace the entire ensemble with Muppets, and then what would be the best movie to come out of that? Well, imagine <laughs> National Treasure, where it's oh, Nicolas God. Cage... And then, and then I, I would love like, to see Nicholas Cage play off of Muppets. Yes. Yeah, that would be hysterical, and he would do so well with it because I mean he can play off a an animatronic pig almost, and actual animatronics in another film. Um, but imagine Diane Kruger is played by Miss Piggy instead, and then Riley Poole is Kermit, and then, and then like Eric, what's his uh, what's the villain? Sean Bean is like the chef, Swedish chef, Swedish chef or animal. <laughs> yep, I could see that. That would be yeah. This could that could totally work. Are you kidding me? And what a way to teach history to the to the youth <laughs> through Muppets and Nicolas <laughs> Cage. Yeah, <laughs> Nicolas Cage just getting like increasingly more frustrated with all the different Muppets. <laughs> it's grabbing yeah. by the throat. Like we need to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> You're not understanding me. Where's yeah, I think that could Where's totally Riley? <laughs> oh, Riley's Kermit now. This is the Muppets. Don't you remember? Um. <laughs> Howdy there. And John Voight. Who's John Voight, though? Dr. Bunsenburner? Dr. Honeydew Bunsenburner. Anyways, yeah, we're winding down the season finale here of season five. Uh, We only have three more episodes to go, including this one. Um, So only two more after this. We have my picks, and then we have the best of 2022. But right now, we're talking about the graduate that's why you click this episode um but before we get into this movie here uh nate you got a little trivia question for us today oh i sure do spencer thanks for the acknowledgement um yeah so in the scene when it's just progressively got back to you (laughs) like throughout that that was no i want you guys to know that the voice you just heard that's real nate and all last 140 episodes, that was all just a ruse. He was putting on an act. So, in the scene where all of the tenants run up and they're like, oh, are we going to call the cops when uh, Catherine yep. Ross's character screams and whatnot? One of the men who does the voice was a pretty famous actor, but it was one of their first supporting roles. So, was Seth it... Rogen. Nope. Nope. Was it A... Robert Redford, <laughs> B, Richard Dreyfus, C, John Voight, or D, Paul Newman? Damn. 1967, so I'm trying to age these people correctly, where it would make sense. And they even have a line in the movie where it says, hey, I'm going to get the cops. Should I call the cops? I, I know what John Voight looks like young because we watched uh, Midnight Cowboy. S- but I want it to be him so bad. I think I'm just going to say John Voight. I, I might be wrong. I can kind of picture the guy's face. Um, I don't think it was Robert Redford. And I don't know who that last person was you said. So I'll just go John Voight. Paul Newman. He was Paul Newman. in Butch Cassidy yeah. and the Sundance Kid with Robert Redford. Uh, okay. Was it? Did that come out around the sixties, mid sixties too? Or it did. Yeah. Okay. John Voight. John Voight. Yeah. Okay. John Voight. Mr. Spencer, I have a feeling you know because you were smiling. <laughs> of course he does. He's like, yeah, I read all the trivia earlier today. Um, I do know the answer. Yeah. And it's and it's not Robert Redford, but I do know that he was originally 
going to play the lead role, but Mike Nichols was like, you're way too good looking. No one's going to buy the fact that you can't swing a girl. So, sorry, you're you're out the door. I'm going to cast Dustin Hoffman instead. But it's Richard Dreyfus. Pops his little fat Damn face it. around the corner, and he's like, hey, you trying to count the cups? I'm going to call the cups. <laughs> Just runs away. Yep. It's yeah, Richard Dreyfus. It was Richard Dreyfus. Go get eaten by a shark, you bitch. Yeah. Yep. Well, Nearly that was years later, fun trivia he, this week. <laughs> Nate stumps me again. Anyways, yeah, but it, it looks like Nate just disappeared. I don't know where he went, but um, this is a good time to mention that this film, oh. uh, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> feel free to throw it to Nate and he'll tell you all about it. Oh, I was so thrown off. Yeah, that, that, like, that threw yeah. me off too. I'm but like, then I was I'm, like, I get what he's doing. I'm like, I'm right yeah. here. <laughs> Hello. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's you know an alcoholic, many, by the way. You know how many takes I had to do? <laughs> <laughs> a lot this is in real time too he has to run to the fireplace make a glass of whiskey every single episode and then yep, recite the entire the anchor ad yeah so you better fucking listen and not skip through the ads because if you do i'll know we are talking about the graduate for this episode um nate this is your pick it is why did you why'd you pick this movie for us to watch because <laughs> i wanted to <laughs> because he wants chaos that's why no i just this is one of the more famous movies that I'd always heard of growing up. And as I started digging deeper into movies, I was like, I keep seeing references to the graduate and hearing about the graduate. What's so special about the graduate and blah, blah, blah. I think this is a very endearing movie. And I just, I I felt the need to watch it. And Spencer got it for me for Christmas one year. I think uh-huh. probably on Blu-ray. Christmas so yeah, birthday. yeah, yeah. What the fuck, dude? You buy me like Mister Popper's Penguins and like Alvin, Alvin and Chipmunks Road Chip, and you get Nate this fucking classic '60s <laughs> like Best Picture nominated fucking asshole. That's okay. I like Mister Popper's Penguins, and I'll let it take up shelf space for the next ten years for all I care. And um, <laughs> how many times had you seen this movie before, Nate? <laughs> I had seen this once. This was my second rewatch of The Graduate. Okay. Yes. Because I apparently had watched this movie before. I remember watching this movie probably back in college, but I did not remember really much about this movie at all. And when I was rewatching, I'm like, I don't remember this plot twist. Don't remember this. So it was kind of like a nice little first time watch for me again. I just remembered kind of maybe scenes. Um, and John, you obviously had never seen this movie before. This is a movie that's pre 2010, I... so chances are it's a first time watch for you. <laughs> this is pre Haley Steinfeld's birth, so I really knew nothing about it. Um, Probably pre her really... parents' birth too. <laughs> it's very possible. I think she's around our age. They could have been born in the mid 60s, but like I'm not going to do the research to figure that out right now. But yeah, it's it's before Bumblebee. It's before Michael Bay took over the Transformers franchise. So. Um, I really knew nothing of this movie other than like the poster of Dustin Hoffman with his like little sport coat and like the leg with the it's the iconic the, shot, I guess the yeah. the tights. Other than that, and also like I haven't off the top of my head, I don't think I've seen really any classic Dustin Hoffman films. I've not seen Rain Man. I watched this with my mom actually. She's like, oh, watched Midnight Cowboy. Oh, okay. He plays that really like drugged out roommate. Okay, all right. Speaking oh, of John yeah. Voight, <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay, I mean, I've seen a little bit of classic doesn't happen then, but other than just knowing of this film's existence, I never went out of my way to watch it. No one ever truly recommended it. Recommended it to me. So uh, here we are again on this podcast, and thank God for Nate to uh, increase my filmography. I suppose, right? That's why I was brought on this earth. And once my mission is yep. done, I will move on to another galaxy. 
So, I like that. I like Nate. That. Wow. Yes. That was that was very poetic. Um, <laughs> so, when you went to uh, rewatch this movie, The Graduate, for your second time, how did this work on a rewatch for you? Uh, well, it, it was it, 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 it was really good, actually. No, I just... And I think the main thing for me is the music, because I like Simon Garfunkel a lot. The music just fits the time period, and it's just kind of the perfect music for pacing this movie and whatnot, and just having different famous things going on, especially the shot with Anne Bancroft. Oh my god. I don't know how you guys feel, but I think she's gorgeous. I think she is drop-dead gorgeous in this movie i was shocked Anne bancroft is is the is the she's mom. mrs robinson she's um, mrs robinson yeah yeah no she is a a smoke show but so is elaine i mean i'll give her credit too she's i gotta i gotta I'll very good leave cute. it guys but give me give me Catherine ross 10 times before you give me and bancroft i totally get that i can understand that but for me she looks no like a she literally looks like a 60s version of kate mara and that's i'm all in on that so uh yeah, yeah. give me give me Catherine ross ever not that not that Anne bancroft is anything to snooze on but yeah that's just my dustin opinion. hoffman snoozed on her <laughs> oh my god damn is he tan in this movie he's like a he's a straight up george harrison you know that guy he's an actor George Harrison, you mean the Beatle? That what the, the, you know that that actor that's known for being very very tan is that his name? George Harrison. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me double check this. Roy Scheider's pretty tan. Um, okay, so you're making okay. Here, here it is. You're, no, no, making no, a, you're making a reference to George, George Hamilton, Hamilton who's <laughs> on the Hamilton. back of the congressman that I am also on. <laughs> oh. I'm just talking because that I was just really thrown George off by Harrison. how tan how George tan Hamilton Dustin Hoffman does right in this there. movie. I'm, I'm like I'm pretty sure George Harrison <laughs> never <hilarious>. acted <laughs> except in like a hard day's night. <laughs> George Hamilton, my mistake. Uh, yep. The man is 83 years old now. By I'm the on way. the back of a DVD cover with him, the congressman <laughs> George Wait, Hamilton. You're right? in the there photo. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm down here. Oh, he's screaming about freaking Wes Welker. I'm right here. That's me. Wes Welker shouldn't have gone to the Broncos. And then that's George Hamilton up there, <laughs> all ten, talking on a phone. That's fucking hilarious, dude. So yeah, the fact that you said that, I was like, wait a second. I have a yeah, picture of us together on the back of the DVD cover. I have a full cover. on memory <laughs> with George Hamilton. With George Hamilton. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, was do you going just, back to this? Yeah. No, I just want to know. Did you see him at all when you were on set, George Hamilton? No, not at all. Uh, so you didn't see if he was tan or not. Damn it. No. But, I mean, I all saw right. the movie, and he's extremely tan in the movie. Yes. Great. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, this movie, I just I just had a lot of fun with it, and I just think the story is just, it's simple, and just, just Dustin Hoffman is so weird. He has all these little tics that he does, like, when, he, when he's so uncomfortable, and he's going like, hmm, hmm. Like, he's making weird noises and stuff because he's so uncomfortable. And the whole scene with him renting a, motel, a hotel room, I just, I was kind of laughing because I'm like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. And Dustin Hoffman, no one else could play the role, I don't think. I was thinking, I always like to do this when I watch these movies. It's like, okay, who else could be in this role? Just for shits and gigs. Because Dustin Hoffman does play a very manic anxiety driven kind of guy in this movie but i kind of like the anxiety acting with albert brooks so much more than dustin hoffman but i know they're completely different characters i can kind of see albert brooks in this role but it would have been more of his type of movie it wouldn't i feel like he would want more control because he writes and directs everything that he also stars in so i do 
think that Albert Brooks does play those types of characters so much like the anxiety like freaking out on the inside and like does so many hilarious things because Dustin Hoffman was I was chuckling a lot with some of the shit that he was doing in this movie in particular when he grabs uh her tits and then like just turns around and goes and just starts hitting his head on the fucking wall. That was legit. <laughs> that was so weird. That was bro. legit. I was like, like but yeah, I, I, yeah, that was an that. improvised scene too. Like he just did it on the spot because he thought that it would kind of be a throwback to uh, schoolboys like trying to grab boobs and stuff back back in like those days. And he did it, but then I guess Mike Nichols started laughing so hard behind the camera, which <laughs> started to make him laugh. So that's why he turned around and went and hit his head on the wall just because he didn't want to ruin the take. Because you they, see, they left it in the movie. Yeah, you see Anne movies. Bancroft just like kind of look, but then she continues to like undress or whatever. Yeah, She's like, oh, okay, character. whatever. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I think if he you was... put, uh, oh, damn, what's the actor's name you said? You're I said Albert to? Brooks. Albert Brooks. I think the movie would have to be more of a full on comedy. Yeah, like, it would have to be more slapsticky. Like, this, yeah. this movie is actually, I mean, I would say not, not dark but like it's a drama with comedy elements like in my opinion it's just that it's it's talking about like cheating and lots of marital drama obviously i mean that's pretty on brand for nate's choices um but like i wasn't laughing all that much like the, the scenes you mentioned like when he's trying to get the room that was funny like there's a lot of like quirky kind of anxiety inducing scenes with his character and when but, he when he brings <laughs> elaine to the hotel and they all recognize him like literally that every single really person funny. that walks by him <laughs> like, even like the little uh the, they all had the different names for him <laughs> it's too, like hey like, he has different names yeah. too exactly and then the whole funny, yeah. final 10 minutes of him trying to run to the wedding and figure out where it was like i was kind of laughing at that at, at times but it is very much a, a dramatic film too yeah because you have mike nichols who directed the hell out of this movie. I mean, it is a very simple story, like you guys have mentioned. Like, all the camera techniques in this movie were so crazy, and the acting was phenomenal. Like, so they had all the right people behind this story to make it come to life, and I think that's why it's stood, um, or stood the test of time, because it's so widely regarded as, like, one of the most famous movies of all time. But, so, John, this is your first time watch here. Uh, um, I And I will say, first off, like, I thought this was going to be like your run-of-the-mill like classic coming-of-age film that's not really what this is it, it's more of like a a darker comedy or not a comedy a darker drama with some infidelity mixed in and it has a lot of famous scenes that have kind of stood the test of time in cinema like the scene of her you know putting on her her leggings and stuff like that and i didn't dislike it um, but I think I, I was thrown off by the tone that the film took and also the creative style. Like, I, I thought that the, like, he does these, like, dramatic push-ins and, like, the first time they have sex, it's like, <laughs> he's, like, all of a sudden in a pool and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, me and my mom are sitting there like, the transitions what were is crazy. going on? Like, is he actually in the pool? Is this after the fact? Oh, no, this is, like, his, like, I assume that was his first time having sex, I yeah. guess. And then, which I I gathered that afterwards, but it was it was a really interesting way to kind of go about visualizing that. Um, so I think just for a first time watch, I was taken back as I it it went about the film in a way I truly did not expect. And also, Dustin Hoffman's character, I didn't find super likable because I thought he he was certainly groomed into the situation and kind of I think misled a little bit. I think he redeems himself, but 
I didn't like him as much as I expected, just based on his decisions that he made. I don't think that they were like, hey, he's a great guy type of decisions. Because um, he was selfish. He was a selfish character, as well as a lot of the other ones, except Mr. Robinson. He was the only nice guy in this movie that just got <laughs> screwed over. But that's just me. I uh, I want you guys to convince me that this is that this is a really really good movie and why you like it so much because I I did not love it personally. I think you could only convince yourself by either just watching it again another time or just I mean we'll talk about it but I'm not going yeah, no, to convince you you can have your own opinion. Um yeah. <laughs> but, I I think I think you were looking at it as you were going into it as more of that like you said the coming of ageness which you're mm-hmm. used to with movies like Breakfast Club, Dazed and Confused, ones that are maybe a little happier, that have some drama in it. Exactly. This one, it's almost like a dark comedy with satire. I just, I think it's, his character is actually really relatable. Coming home from college, being this bigger than life, like, star when he was in college, he had all these accolades and everything. And then he comes home after being done, and he's lost. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I felt the same way when I came home from college. I would, like, sit down and just go, oh, crap, what next? And just being yeah. so unsure of what's coming next, maybe that's why he kind of came off as very stone-faced and stern, just because he was so confused and worried about what the future was going to behold. When he gets the uh, the scuba outfit as a costume, I love that because his dad's like, oh, here he comes. He's turning 21, something like that. And he keeps going to the door and you just hear Dustin Hoffman in a monotone voice. Uh, dad, can we talk about this? Oh, come on, son. They're all waiting out here. <laughs> and then it just comes to him standing there looking like scuba Steve. And uh, <laughs> he gets in the pool and then he's like trying to get out. But his dad just pushes his face back down into the water like, no, no, do some tricks in a six foot deep pool. Yeah, show that was us like a, a bunch an, of scuba an, tricks. That was that's like a, a big example of like what I mean by the creative choices in this movie were like just I it's the 60s. And I guess I don't watch 60s films every day, but just the because it's like slower paced the way they go about it too it's like slower paced and just the visual choices that they made were for a first time watch like, like putting the cameras in the uh the scuba mask and going yeah, underwater like, cuz they do drag out the scenes for sure uh like even like the opening with the party like the thing with this movie is Mike Nichols didn't hold back in letting the audience also feel the anxiety that the movie yeah. the character is feeling uh just because of how Dustin Hoffman's character conducts himself is so strange because he does constantly act like he just killed somebody and is waiting to get caught. Like that's just how he acts. He's so awkward awkward in every interaction. And what Nate said, yes, absolutely. Like I I think this movie does capture that perfectly of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. he's coming home. He just achieved so much in college. And they even have that scene too, where he's laying in the pool and the dad, it's a very interesting shot too, with the dad, like just covering the sun as he's looking down and he's just like, uh, like it's been like, I don't mind like you coming home and like relaxing for a while and recouping but like two weeks of just laying around doing nothing like are you gonna go to graduate school like are you gonna do anything with your life and he just like berates him and Dustin Hoffman's just like well I don't know I'm just gonna live I my can, life right now and just I, chill and have a fling with this gorgeous mother mm-hmm. and then I do think though mm-hmm. 
once he does fall in love with Elaine and he goes to Berkeley and stalks her, that is when I 100% I wrote this down. Like, I, I, he instantly became unlikable for me. Like, I definitely felt a disconnect with how I was feeling with him in the first act when kind he was just this awkward kind of. Yeah, when he got very <laughs> obsessive and he, he just basically tells his dad, it's like, I'm going to marry her and I have no plan. She doesn't really like me, but I'm going to go and convince her to marry me and like me. And just like, oh, I actually that love behavior that scene, is so <laughs> fucked up to me. <laughs> so like, I get like a little, just like it cringes just a little bit to me, but I like with the final 10 minutes of him trying to find where the wedding is and going to like, stop it. Like that passion alone, he was in love and kind of like, like redeems you know him a little bit. It redeemed it just a little bit too. Yeah, exactly. Like he was so passionate. Like he he literally jumped through fire hoops to, to find her. Uh, yeah. So I, I did think that was kind of sweet, but for the most part, um, yeah, just like with the whole affair. And then when that gets caught too, like that shot in particular, where he walks out of the door and it's a close up of Anne Bancroft's face in the corner, but it like pulls out really fast to like a two shot, like of, over his shoulder it it felt like something out of a horror movie, but it's in this mm. like light. This, oh this, my like, god! Dramedy. That was you remember that very. Shot? That was yeah. Was so that creepy. scene, dude. I, I got Which chills. One? I was like, ooh. I so did. It's, where it's she's right like when he basically confronts. It's pouring rain. She gets in that car and he's like, basically, I'm gonna tell you. And then he basically and, beats her home, tells the daughter, and she's like, kind of like in that door frame, and then. She yeah. walks away, and then he, when he leaves the room, and she's like, get goodbye, out, get out, get Benjamin. out, and leaves, and it's close up of her, and she's yeah. like, goodbye, Benjamin, exactly, and it pulls out really fast to just him standing there, and then it kind of fades to black, but it's a chilling fucking scene, like, it's, it is. the way they shot it, it was, was like Hitchcockian so... almost, like, the way that yeah. they, did, like, I, I haven't seen a lot of Hitchcock movies, but it, it, it feels like that kind of vibe where these, these quick pan outs and these quick push-ins, especially that scene where... The empty space is just like a close-up of him out of focus, and then she's just in this corner looking all disheveled and like, oh, this is what I was trying to avoid, this exact moment. I like how they revealed it because I didn't expect him to just say it, but he was like forced into it. Well, he didn't say it. He She put it together because he talks about it, and then she's kind of forgiving him with the whole oh, well, are you still doing it? And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, well, I'm glad. But then when he pulls up and Mrs. Robinson gets in the car and they go drive, that's when I'm like, oh, shit, what's going to go on now? Because she's in the car and she's pissed. And when Dustin Hoffman runs into the room and then he kind of looks up at the mom and she turns around and you just see Catherine Ross, her character just clicks and she's like oh my god (laughs) but i'm just sitting there going like yeah he did that (laughs) i mean it's kind of badass at the same time that's the whole thing is like i feel like this at the time people that were like college age or even high school age must have looked up at this guy like a total gangster they're like this is cool he's seeing both of them like that no wonder this film has stood the test of time and this character is so iconic but it doesn't make me like him anymore. That's not a. It requires you to like him. I think the movie is just kind of plain and simple. This is the character. This is his story, and this is what happened in this sure. four months. I mean, a lot of movies are like that. I mean, and I, I know with a lot of people watching movies, you typically need someone to latch on to. Um, in this case, I was mixed. I mean, I was with him until he became super obsessive and stocky and got all kind of crazy. Uh, but 
it, it does go to some weird places too. Like in the in that second half of the movie, which I kind of did forget about. I remembered basically everything up to when she says goodbye, Benjamin, and then I just kind of forgot about this whole like goes to Berkeley and tries to find her uh, and break up like their relationship with uh, this other guy. But the thing that maybe the real the only flaw that bug, bugged me was how quick she like forgot about him and went to this Carl guy and it just it all happened so fast like yeah. oh yeah we might get married we might not and then the dad comes in and he's like yeah well you're not gonna stop it and Anne Bancroft's like yeah you're never gonna find her and of course he does but just I, I thought it was really touching when he's like up on the mirror and he like screams Elaine and then she finally realizes like oh I want to be with this guy takes off and there's another family guy reference when Chris wants to become Jewish and they <laughs> go running out of the thing and he blocks it off with the star of David instead of the cross and they like run off and get onto a bus Oh, and they're just kind of sitting God. there at the end and I guess Mike Nichols had just got done like yelling at them or something and so they go from smiling to kind of melancholy at the end almost like unsure of their future i yes. think that's because they were so uncomfortable with mike nichols at that moment they were like smiling and then they're like yeah that's so okay i thought it was more like like that that reveal at the end it's like okay we did it like we accomplished this crazy like we got away from our parents we we did this crazy thing and then and they're like, kind of it's settling in but... and they're like wait <laughs> this yeah. is insane like i don't because when I was when I was watching this movie, um, and it was the last ten minutes of the movie, and Brooke got home and walked in and just watched the final ten, five, uh, ten to five minutes of the movie, and then she said during that scene, she's like, "What was going on there? Like that was weird, Be, like mm -hmm. that that shot because like, the transition of being happy to just like, oh fuck, now what? Like it does seem so abrupt, kind of like crazy, and then they just <laughs> end it there. So yeah, the movie does have so many moments." Though. That's a realistic yeah, no, thought, sure. I think, especially at that age. Like the whole idea of the film is, what am I gonna do now? And especially, it's kind of comes full circle in that moment, and they it they the emotion plays so well off their faces because they have the thought again after all the events that take place. It's like, okay, well, what the hell now? That was done super well, and they didn't even have to say anything to to convey that emotion. The conversation between Mister Robinson and and Ben was so bizarre because he's like oh don't ball your up your fist at me and it's like <laughs> he he wasn't don't yell at me don't raise your voice it's like he wasn't it's like dude you're you need to relax because <laughs> he's so yeah. just offended by everything he's doing oh i liked you you're scum blah 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 i'm like if only they knew the real story like things would be so much different and so when Catherine Ross kind of explains it and Dustin Hoffman, he's just like, no, 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 that's that's not what happened at all. Like <laughs> she like almost won't give him a chance. And then she screams yeah. and whatnot. And he's just like, oh, yeah, see, no, she screamed, but she's fine now. So some weird back and forths like that. I do appreciate him like he's fighting for the love that he wants. I just thought it was kind of odd him falling in love with her that seemed kind of quick where he's like oh i'm i'm not even so, considering dating your daughter or anything like that brings her to a strip club and then immediately feels bad just because she starts crying and then i was like it felt forced 
So I'm with I, you there. Yeah, I am 100% it. with you there, too, because I actually kind of wanted to see the affair play out a little bit more. Like, I wouldn't have been disappointed if they kind of kept going with the affairs and, like, maybe the husband got home too early and catches them or... Uh, they, like actually, they hinted at a scene that would have been really interesting because when Dustin Hoffman's character, when Ben, I should start saying their character's name, when Ben goes to take out Elaine and sits down with Mrs. Robinson, he's like, "I don't want any part of this. Like, I didn't, this wasn't my idea. Like, the other alternative was basically my family was going to have your family come over for an event. Like, I actually would have loved to see that scene play out <laughs> of just them with knowing their history mm. and having to kind of hide it from everybody, and then maybe just dropping subtle hints or I don't know. That scene I think would have been great and. With Mike Nichols directing this movie, that scene would have been fucking insanely if, cool because he, he won Best Director for this movie. And I think if you want to explain directing to anybody, have them watch The Graduate because it's such a simple premise. But the way they shot it, they just added so many cool things to it just like from the transitions of some of the scenes like he walks through the scene he gets out of the pool and he walks through a door and then immediately cuts to him walking through the door into the hotel room of him uh, going to meet mrs robinson another when he's jumping on that pool floaty thing and then it's him just jumping on top of her like it was just so many cool ways to like kind of transition the scenes and also with the with the music choices as well it was just really well done so there's just so many interesting things that i caught on the second time watch but it is definitely as you are saying or attesting to it's it's it can be an overwhelming first time watch just like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i mean with so many crazy technical techniques that are there to enhance the story you're also trying to get the story in as well so i mean it can make sense but surface level i mean the story is pretty self-explanatory like is it if you just read the synopsis i mean it's literally just he he's He's, in a love triangle. He's yeah, he's in a love triangle, a very complicated and pretty pretty weird one where like the opening scene when he goes to the house, like he drives Mrs. Robinson home, she offers him a drink like four or five times. He says no like fifteen times. Like he's he she brings her upstairs, she's like, Can you get my purse? He's like, Alright, I'm gonna leave it right very here. Persistent. I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go right now. Um if it I like this is uh definitely not okay. Like what she's doing is super not okay. But in the '60s, I guess it's it was just okay. funny. Like this, this is like very funny. Um, so I think it just took me off how they went about that whole situation. She was very uh, persuasive. Very I, persuasive. I mean, yes. She was. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. And yes. then he also like <laughs> 18 fourteen knows. Yes. <laughs> yeah, fourteen knows equally. Still means yes. yes. <laughs> That's how it felt. That's literally how it felt in that scene because he did not want to have any part in that. But oh, he course. did. He definitely he did. did. He was just trying to be polite. It's just too awkward and yeah, and weird. But I just oh, I would oh, I would but, not have went for the daughter at that point. I would have been like, I'm having oh, an affair with I was Anne all about Bancroft. That like oh, but, no, I'm good. I'm. And that's I'm a, that is the thing too is um, and especially this time around, I really kind of saw how tragic of a character Mrs. Robinson is. I mean, she was somebody that just decided all right i'm gonna marry into wealth and just throw away my dreams because apparently she was an art major because remember that scene when they're basically like hey can we just have a conversation before we get into this like i, I just let's talk i wanted more anything. of that talk scene. about anything and she's like uh he's like what she's like what about art and he's like oh art yeah like modern art classic art what do you want to know and she's like was so just negative about it and sour because that was her dream was because she wanted to be an artist and she threw that away and married into wealth ultimately was extremely unhappy as she says like uh, she and her husband don't sleep in the same room anymore they don't have sex 
Um, I thought I thought they got married because she got pregnant. I thought that was the whole reason. That's another why. reason too. Yes, and because she got pregnant. Um, but she Welcome basically admitted in that scene too that she was just seduced by wealth and money. She was like, "All right, mm-hmm. the easy way out." Um, and also yeah, because she got pregnant with Elaine, but she just never really got to go and live the life that she wanted. So instead, she grooms this young graduate and gets into this whole crazy affair, and then she turns into the antagonist of the fucking movie. Like when she can play scary when she gets into that car and it's like you will not take my daughter out on a date anymore i was terrified for him <laughs> like it was she got just very possessive over her yeah like very it, possessive because she wasn't willing to open up to to ben at all like when they were doing their thing like well he, it was kind of his idea to initially like turn the lights off and just he didn't want to like didn't, didn't want to deal with the situation she, on, like, she was a just horny. level yeah. She was, and and uh, I don't think that he. It took him a while, like many encounters, to realize, like, hey, this is all she really wants. And then he's like, okay, well, now I have the opportunity, and realize that Elaine is like a really sweet girl, and wanted to get to know her, and yep. just so happens that it's Mrs. Robinson's daughter, and that is gonna make for a lot of drama. Um, and, and usually, people are drawn <laughs> to what's forbidden. So yes, I mean, that's just another absolutely. trope. <laughs> so, yep. Welcome to being a college age adult, and she is. I mean, Catherine Ross, she is just drop-dead gorgeous. I that mean, scene was so sad in, in the cabaret bar. It really, oh, like, yeah, I, it was. I was like, does it, like, I know what you're He's trying to do. He was being a dick, but he was doing it for, to please Mrs. Robinson. Um, but God, until, what a sad scene. I'm, like, yeah. Yeah, until everything happened. But th- my favorite scenes in the movie were, like, I guess the more positive scenes between him and, and Elaine. When they go to this, like... The, the shot of them at like this makeshift um, in and out burger type place um, where it, it's you don't hear them talk, but it's like you can just tell they're having a good time. And just that I liked that. Like I, I kind of got everything I needed the way that he visualized that scene. I didn't even need to hear anything they said, but you could tell that they were just clicking as human beings even after this like kind of horrible introduction to each other. So that I wanted more of that in this movie. And I felt like it was very few and far between. Like they had one interaction on like a couple small dates and then he's like i'm gonna marry this girl so that that's where it felt a little bit forced because you never really got enough of their love story is for sure abrupt because compared to how much time we had with him and mrs robinson in the affair i mean it's the whole first hour of the movie and then it's kind of hour and ten ish it does kind of go into the whole love of triangle with uh, elaine so it you aren't given as much time with that relationship for sure but i mean it i think because of the movie they were relying on just the tropes of just she's gorgeous it's it's forbidden it's her daughter it works for the story so it it, it'll work in the edit and it does for sure but i I definitely could see that you would want more of it because yeah there there is probably Cause just because I like that, I liked her character so much. Like she was just a sweet girl, and I felt like it was it was gonna turn She's him in the in right direction. Like near an hour into the movie, it's a while. It's a yeah. it's quite a while, and it's like at that point she's already forbidden. Like before you even meet her, she doesn't right. want him to have anything to do with her. But she was nominated for best supporting actress. She, Elaine she was that good of a job in her role. Yeah, yep. I'm surprised she was over because I actually just pulled that up too. Um, she was during. Um, what's her? What's the other actress's name? Anne Bancroft. She wasn't yep. even nominated. Well, she was leading. 
Yeah, it was oh, best leading for Dustin Hoffman, best leading for Anne Bancroft, supporting for Catherine Ross, best writing, best cinematography, and winner, wow. best director, as well as got a best picture nominee. But um, so yeah, I nominated just, for seven. Yeah, across the board, really. Yeah, because with the whole relationship with Elaine, I just, and it kind of helps with the ending that we get because it's almost like our, like you were saying, the forbidden romance because he's been with the mom now he gets the daughter but now it's like oh now i have the daughter it's almost like it loses that spark that he was looking for because now he's like oh crap i did all this fighting for this girl now what are we gonna do with all of this extra baggage that they both know about each other and the whole just the family affair like i would like to see what happened next maybe like i don't say that with a lot of classic movies that don't really need sequels or anything like that but i could have seen a little bit more like with mrs robinson or i don't know i just i just loved ann bancroft and she's also an oscar winner so that's uh so that's a plus fun fun fact go I'm just really happy Sorry that we did that at least get quick flashes of Mrs. Robinson. Like, oh. Okay, so that Damn. scene was wild, and I kind of wish more movies would do that type of stuff again. Like, I love oh like, man, just that was I just those remember why one why frames that. that are kind of included, and like it keeps like cutting back and forth like really really fast. Like they do it some they do it in um, Sunshine. They included that villain guy in one frame. Every now and then throughout the Sunshine? movie. They did it in the, Fight Club. The sci-fi movie? Yeah. Sunshine? Really? Yes. They did it in Fight Club with Brad Pitt's penis at the very end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> and then also <laughs> they did it here with the tits and the, the thighs. And it was just so like, oh. Dude, I, I got to say, shit. though, that was a great way to, a, like, to convey how he's feeling. Because you can tell it, it cuts so quick. It's insane. Um, it, and then that is how he would feel in that situation where he feels like he's not allowed to look. Right? Except she's yeah. she's totally. He wants to take a peek for sure, but it doesn't feel like it's right. Yeah, but I am just I'm just imagining all of those young boys in like the in the seventies with the VHS copy of The Graduate trying to pause on that exact moment 100%. and not being able to because it's one frame and they just get like one second pass like fuck I just want to pause it on the dead dude. This is like a full on thing that happens on TikTok all the time too. Like this is a thing that yeah. girls do and it it. It goes back to fucking Anne Bancroft and the Graduate. I guess I don't know what the videos you're referencing, but <laughs> there's there's like that. girls that are, will do some stupid dance, and then there's like one frame of them in like like a bathing suit. It's stupid as fuck. Oh, people trying. To, okay, that's cool. and then and uh. then like to pause the video, you have to tap it, so like you have to like the video. Basically, it's just fucking dumb. I hate TikTok. We'll do it, but we'll do it on our TikTok. But it's happened. Nate in like in like uh, tidy buddies. <laughs> It's him like, in his Bam Bam clown costume. You're gonna <laughs> want to see that? this. <laughs> so confused. The frame, the frame where it's one like a millisecond is him just like murdering somebody. It's blood everywhere. What? I got a little annoyed by how many times they kept playing the Scarborough Fair song. I was like, okay, yeah, enough. that was some Midnight Cowboy <laughs> Dustin Hoffman shit right there, it, man. And because it's because the lyrics don't make like any the other fucking music. sense. Like, Mrs. Robbins, Mrs. Robinson for sure. That's a classic. Uh, I guess Paul Simon had a different last name, and but Mike Nichols was like, "No, can you change it to Robinson for me, please?" <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, "Okay." So the opening Robinson, scene that's, of him that. where it's like a shot of him just like on a moving walkway, and it's playing the Simon, Sounds... and Garf- Simon and Garfunkel song. 
Sound of, of Silence. Silence, yeah. Sound of Silence, yeah. wasn't originated for this movie. That mm-hmm. existed from in like 1964, but Mike Nichols was using the Sounds of Silence when he was editing as a placeholder, and then oh, eventually wow. was like, why don't I just use it in the movie? Because like, for the, the song that you mentioned that's kind of overplayed, it almost feels like they, they were like, oh my god, we have Simon and Garfunkel songs to use. Let's use them. And they didn't use them like everywhere. Like, they could have used them more, and they didn't, which is great. But it almost felt like they weren't needed sometimes. And the lyrics didn't actually help what was happening on the screen, in my opinion. So, like, as, as good as Mrs. the music Robinson is... definitely does. That, I mean, that's obvious. because that Mrs. One. Robinson was not even the title of the song when they originally <laughs> did it. It was Mrs. Mike Roosevelt. Nichols literally was like, yeah, Mrs. Roosevelt, that's what it was. Yeah, he's like, no, please, okay. can you make it Mrs. Robinson? Was Teddy Roosevelt, like, the president at the time? Maybe that's where that comes from. I don't know. That Teddy or sixties? <laughs> Who was the president in the sixty seven? Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah, that motherfucker. Yeah, so that's the opening scene in the movie is he's on a moving walkway, and my first thought was they they did not have moving walkways in the sixties. Of course they so did. So I thought I didn't think they did. I thought in, they didn't have in that major technology. airports? Oh, probably. If they have I escalators, love... they have moving mm. walkways. I love when movies that are set in like the late sixties and seventies they include scenes on airplanes and everyone's wearing those like fucking earplugs yeah. that are like wrapped around their necks because that's just how people <laughs> had to fly back then. <laughs> also, I wish the uh, airplane losers. still had the uh, the stowaways like they did on that plane because you basically just like throw your shit up on a rack, but now you have to like try to force this fucking compartment closed because your goddamn suitcase is so big. I think that they should bring those back. It might be more dangerous for if there's ever turbulence, like shit would just fly out of there. But And I think that's why. <laughs> I think also, you just answered it. <laughs> well, also there's been people who have closed their dogs in those things and they suffocate because they lose oxygen. But if they had the compartments like they do in The Graduate, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, The Graduate. Um, should I? I can, I can chime in and then you guys can... And on a slightly more positive note, probably. Uh, I would appreciate that. Okay. Yep. Yeah, The Graduate, um, I think I like it more than I initially did when the credits rolled. Um, just you guys going over your your thoughts on the film. I do appreciate the directing style. I did like it. Like I think it, it took me by surprise, the, the creative choices that Mike Nichols makes. I, I like the push-ins. I think it's it puts you back in that time, and it did actually really accentuate the the scenes that he's in um, or the scenes taking place. The music's great. I just, I wanted to like the characters more. I didn't love the decisions that Dustin Hoffman's character, Ben was making. I just, I think he was kind of groomed or forced into these decisions. Like it's not necessarily his fault, but it's just what happened to begin with on the screen. Like that's just what was happening in the movie. And I was expecting something more upbeat and that's, that's not what we got. The film takes unexpected twists because I didn't expect it to be dark. I didn't expect these confrontations with Mr. Robinson and and trying to call the cops on him. And um, so the characters definitely surprised me with a lot of the the things that they did. And I did like the small kind of love stories between him and Elaine and and all that. But I think ultimately I was expecting something else and I didn't get it. Maybe if I knew going in exactly kind of what I was going to be set up for. Um, I could have prepared myself more, but I do think I was a little bit disappointed with The Graduate the first time around. Um, I I gave this a two and a half out of five. 
I could maybe put it up to a three and a half after another watch. But as for right now, that's just what I felt. And that's where we are. Right. Okay. Maybe I'm letting it fester. I've thought about it. It's not yeah. a film that I forgot about. I'll say that. Like it, it's it's a film that does make and me it, think a little it, bit. It, sure. I mean, it's a movie. I mean, watching it in today's eyes, it can be a little jarring. Maybe. For, I don't know if it stands the test some. of time. I don't think it does. <laughs> At least some scenes. I mean, I it, I do think that the roles were reversed, and it was like a cute. 20 year old college girl that that came home and this like neighbor dad was like hey like just so you know in case you ever want me i'm around like wow that's a run out of the theater (laughs) the cops would arrest the director Uh, so yeah that's super uh, not okay um interesting little tidbit here with the story if they switch the roles here but um yeah no the graduate watching this a second time uh because i didn't remember much about it other than the first half i I really enjoyed watching this again, and mainly because I got to appreciate the technical aspects of the film. I didn't really realize how well directed this film was until I got to watch this again, and because I knew most of the story, like where it was kind of going to go, so I could kind of just sit back and appreciate the craft that was put into this movie, which I do think is just something to be commended. And even though I don't necessarily love where the story goes at times, especially in the second act, I still think that this is a classic movie that's it should be regarded as high in pop culture it deserved those oscar nominations that it got so i am gonna go four out of five i really really enjoy this movie and uh i I like that this just put dustin hoffman on the map and we got so many other great performances from him uh, especially kramer versus kramer which is Mm. a movie that i think john you need to fucking see Um, like i said i haven't seen a lot of classic dustin hoffman this is one that I think I can appreciate more than I necessarily enjoy watching, but uh, I still this is this is one that I'm glad that I have on Blu-ray, The Graduate. Like, and I have it on Criterion. Twenty bucks, I, Amazon. How was the transfer? I thought it, it looks great. I, yeah, I thought it looks really good. I had no issues. There were times it, where this Blu-ray looked out of focus, and I was like, "What's going on here?" Oh, I don't know about <laughs> but, I don't know about I that. Know. I mean, it, it could be it the still transfer. had. My mom actually was like, "This looks grainy." I'm like. Damn it! I mean, God, this is, I spent twenty bucks on this fucking Criterion. I'm like, it's supposed to look like that. It's still. I'm glad it had a, a grain. I don't want it to look perfect. It's it's a '60s film, so I feel like I was brought back, but with an upgraded version of the movie. I gotta say that Anne Bancroft looked great in it. So good. That's yep. All that matters. <laughs> That's really all that matters. Even if it was for half a second. I just really, really like this movie, and just the music, and just the atmosphere of it. And Anne Bancroft just kind of seals it for me. God, I wish I had a Mrs. Robinson. Um, so I am going to give this never. one a four, four and a half out of five. Oh, no, I'll probably say never. The way my life's going right now, that's not going to happen. Um, but I'm going four and a half out of five. I just I really, really enjoyed it this time around. Just knowing what was happening, understanding all those like shots where it's cutting back and forth from like him to the pool to him in the hotel room and then he like walks through the door and shuts the door on his parents who are like watching him and that was showing all the insecurities and whatnot that he was nervous about but i like how it played off it it showed how much he wanted to do this but then you also see them questioning it at the end because they just kind of jumped in they they were very reactionary responses so but 
nonetheless, four and a half out of five. I just, I'm glad that I was able to rewatch it. I'm going to pick it up on Criterion. And yeah, John, you need to see Kramer versus Kramer because I bawled like a baby. And Ooh. it is 12 years after this Dustin Hoffman performance. So so it's it's possible that Haley Steinfeld's parents were born by that point? Uh, don't push your luck. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Anything closer to 2010 and it's likely to go up half a half a point for me. Or uh, half a grade. Well, that was The Graduate. Yeah. <laughs> the Graduate. Yeah. What about yeah. next week? Yikes. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was The Graduate. Uh, movie Thon, if you're listening, let us know what you thought of this movie. Did hey, you man. like it? Have you seen it? Please let listeners, us know. bro. Are you kidding me? Dude, yeah, but Movie Thon is the one that really engages. I got to shout him out. All right. Yeah, no, you're right. Not Nothing against Movie Thon, but 60. He's the one people. that actually goes out of his way and watches the movies and then listens to the episodes as, as you should because we spoil the movie and go very in detail with the film. Um, but, yeah, next week, the film that we're going to be doing that with, it's going to be the first Lethal Weapon. It's going to be a fun movie. It's going to be a fun time to watch next week around the holidays because it comes out on December 22nd, right before Christmas. So you can watch Lethal Weapon on HBO Max and listen to our discussion on Lethal Weapon. Yeah. And you can go ahead and check out uh, Spencer and I's November movie and TV discussion mainstream point episode. Just put that out on uh, Monday, December 12th. Oh, you just posted that. Wow. Yeah, okay. that is out. So you are... It's been a you know, while. Feel free to, I, you know, I still got it out about the exact same time I did last month. So I'm, I'm on, I'm on schedule with uh, how lazy I was in or November. So you're welcome. Enjoy that. That's what you threw to me. I don't know.